Hello and welcome to Catholic View on this Wednesday evening. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me. And coming up in today's feature program, we take a look at the vital source called water. And then something a little bit more relaxing. We also talk to the producer of Cirque Inferno. But first, as usual, we begin with just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. This is Kaiser Semilla. You are listening to Catholic View with Sheila. In your headlines this Wednesday evening, Pope Francis explains importance of resting by contemplating goodness. Cameroonian Catholic bishops urge voters to express themselves freely. And Washington priest talks about keeping the faith in the wake of abuse scandals. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. During his weekly catechesis, Pope Francis continued to explain the Ten Commandments, this time focusing on the command to keep holy the Lord's Day. He stated that this is a command to imitate God himself, who on the seventh day rested from his works and contemplated the goodness of his creation. Pope Francis also stressed the importance of celebrating the Eucharist, which is a supreme act of thanksgiving given to us by the Lord himself. Lydia O'Kane reports. The Pope told those gathered that there was false rest and true rest. Society, he said, was thirsty for entertainment and holidays. The image model, the Pope continued, was that of a successful person who can afford different kinds of pleasure. But this mentality, he noted, slips towards the dissatisfaction of an anaesthetized existence of entertainment that is not rest but alienation and escape from reality. Man has never rested as much as today, yet man has never experienced as much emptiness as today. On the other hand, explained Pope Francis, true rest is a moment of contemplation, of praise. It is time to look at reality and say how beautiful life is. It is the day he continued to say to God, thank you for your life, for your mercy, for all your gifts. Sunday, the pontiff stressed, was not the day to cancel the other days, but to recall them bless them and make peace with life because life is precious. Peace is chosen, he said. It cannot be imposed and cannot be found by chance. The Pope concluded by saying, when on our weekly day of rest we contemplate our lives and the world around us, let us be conscious of God's provident care and conform ourselves like Jesus to the Father's will, knowing that in the end all is grace. For as the psalmist assures us, in God alone, do our hearts find rest? The National Episcopal Conference of Cameroon is hopeful that the upcoming presidential elections scheduled for October 7th will be an opportunity for all Cameroonians to express themselves freely by choosing the candidate able to provide just and sustainable solutions to their expectations. The bishops advise that citizens should not vote based on ethnic, linguistic, religious or cultural grounds. Addressing presidential hopefuls, the clerics insisted on the prevention of Cameroon's territorial integrity and its indivisibility, the aim being to live in peace with all citizens contributing to the development of the country. 
These elections fall at a particular tense moment with the backdrop of sociopolitical tensions marked by a secessionist conflict in Cameroon's English-speaking regions of the Northwest and Southwest who have witnessed many deaths with no immediate end to the hostilities since the beginning of the Anglophone crisis in 2016. And in the latest news from Cameroon, at least three security forces were injured yesterday during an attack by separatist fighters in the city of Baminda in the northwest region. Sources say shootings broke out after separatist fighters invaded the town in an attempt to launch an attack on the convoy of the Minister of Basic Education, who was reported to be in Baminda to the resumption of the school year in that part of the country. The same separatist group known as Abazonia secessionist movement is also being accused of recruiting child fighters. But according to Abazonia communication officer Chris Anu, these allegations are false. We are not recruiting youth to go fight for us. Absolutely not. We very well understand they should be in school and international conventions do not allow the recruitment of teenagers to go and fight wars. French Cameroon believes that the youth in the southern Cameroons and Abazonia are the ones fighting them. And that is why the interim government warned parents in Amazonia, if your environment is not safe, if the schools are not safe, there is no security, do not send your children to school because French Cameroon soldiers would come and pick them up and claim they are picking up Amazonia fighters. Father Benedict Tinker of the Society for African Missions has advised the church in Africa to grow beyond depending on donors for funding. Speaking to journalists in Lagos, Nigeria, during the launch of his book titled Food for Thought, aimed at raising funds for the formation of the Society for African Mission students, Father Tinker said it's time for clergy in Nigeria to generate and contribute to train future priests. And African churches must grow in every ramification without necessarily waiting for donors from Europe and America, as in the days of old. And finally, Pope Francis released a video message yesterday accompanying his prayer intention for September, which is for young people in Africa. Francesca Merlo reports. In his prayer intention for the month of September, Pope Francis urges everyone to pray for young people in Africa that they may have the chance to receive education and obtain work in their respective countries. Pope Francis says that amongst Africa's wealth, the greatest and most valuable of its resources are its young people. He tells us that these young people from the African continent should be allowed to choose between letting themselves be overcome by difficulty and transforming the difficulty into an opportunity. He is asking everyone to help them, saying that the most effective way to do so is by investing in their education. Because, as Pope Francis says, if young people don't have the possibility of education, what future can they have? Let us pray, the Pope says, that young people in Africa may have access to education and work in their own countries. And that was a look at just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church in Africa today. You're still listening to Catholic View, and I'm Sheila Birch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up next is our feature program, and today we begin by talking about the vital resource called water. 
At the heart of Pope Francis' message for the fourth annual World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation, which the Church now celebrates in union with the Orthodox Church, is the vital resource that is water. Describing it as a precious element, the Pope underlines that access to safe, drinkable water is a basic and universal human right, since it is essential to human survival and as such is a condition for the exercise of other human rights. He also draws attention to the fact that access for many people is either difficult or impossible. Advocate Mike Pothia from the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office has written a paper entitled Sister Water, where he highlights Pope Francis' message for the fourth annual World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation and his encyclical Laudato Si. Now, both these letters come at a time when the local government is warning that South Africa will run out of water by 2030. Speaking to Catholic View earlier, Mike Pothier says water is an indispensable and basic human right freely given by God. Well, I think what is very interesting for me was um, Pope Francis obviously was not speaking directly about our sort of drought situation that we've experienced in some parts of South Africa. Um, it takes a much more sort of global view. But what he does say in the letter is how absolutely vital water is uh, to all people to all over the world at all times. And he, he talks about it at different levels. Like, for one thing, the simple physical level, he, he mentions that our human bodies are mostly made up of water and, and how uh, in the early days of humanity we built up our first cities and settlements always near rivers or, or on the coast because we were dependent on, on water in, in these very physical ways. But then uh, he also moves into more of a, I suppose, a theological assessment of it as well. And he mentions um, how water is intricately linked to our baptism, the sacrament of our rebirth. Um, and of course, throughout scriptures, there are so many um, references to water, either, you know, again, physically drinking water or in a more metaphorical sense in the way that Jesus says, you know, if anyone thirsts, they can come to me and drink. So it was just a very, um, you know, evocative way that making us think, I suppose, a bit more deeply than we usually do about how important water is for us. In his encyclical, Laudato Si, he also mentions the fact that it's important that we look at the water conservation, especially for future generations. And as you mentioned here in your paper, where you speak about Cape Town, what we can learn from Cape Town, from the drought in the Cape. At the same time, I look at what the water department in the country is saying with regards to this and how it will affect urbanization. I mean, you in Cape Town, you have seen how it was done in Cape Town, how Cape Town survived. What would be your words of advice uh, for people outside Cape Town that haven't really experienced this? Well, I think a couple of points come to mind. The one is that uh, a serious drought, a shortage of water, I suppose a shortage of any resources immediately throws up um, the differences between the rich and the poor. The rich people are able to make um, plans and to adapt to these situations so they can run off and buy big water tanks and install them to catch the water off their roofs and, and things like that. They can they can dig boreholes and, and so on. And we saw a lot of that happening in Cape Town over the last one or two years. 
Of course, poor people simply cannot afford to do that. So uh, they suffer much more uh, intensively when, when these things happen. I've just been hearing recently of problems up in your part of the world on the Val River with uh, some uh, areas where um, the water is becoming polluted with human sewage and so on. And once again, it's the poor communities, particularly in formal settlements and so on, that have to bear the brunt of that. Rich people can go off to the shop and buy big five-liter bottles of water every day. They can afford to do so. So, you know, it throws up once again the distinction between rich and poor. The other thing which I think is important is that we have to think further ahead. We've got to really plan for what's going to be the case in, in 20, 30, 50 years' time. As you say, um, you know, the department is predicting uh, that our rainfall patterns are going to decrease, um, more and more people flocking to the cities, and yet we don't seem to be making adequate preparation. Um, we certainly can't just build more and more dams because our rivers are going to run dry. And if you've got dry rivers, you're going to have dry dams. So what are we actually doing? Um, people talk about desalination. That may be practical on the coast, but not in Johannesburg. So I think as a nation, we really have to uh, you know, get together and think very carefully about how we use this resource um, and how perhaps we have to adapt our lifestyles um, to uh, deal with water shortages and, 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 and find ways of assisting each other to do so. Coming back to Pope Francis' letter, he also mentions how countries that can afford to help should step in. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, international solidarity is uh, always a difficult thing. Um, I think when it comes to these climate change issues in particular, it's so hard to understand how best we can help each other. There's, it's such a long-term problem. Uh, we obviously have to ask those countries which are continuing to, um, you know, to cause uh, greenhouse gas emissions and so on to do whatever they can to to um, to limit that. But we know that even if today we stopped burning coal and oil, um, it would take many decades for the Earth's climate to readjust. Perhaps even you know more than a century. So. There's very little, I think, that one can do in the short term to change or to reverse climate change. The question is, how do we adapt? We we have to accept that it's going to happen. And, you know, uh, we may find in parts of Africa that our food production comes under threat because of the lack of rainfall and higher temperatures affecting the crops. Can we rely on other parts of the world to assist us then with food if necessary or with the technology to learn to grow different crops, um, with the technology to make the best use that we have of the available water. Because remember, in many places in the world, Israel being one of them, um, where they managed to grow crops very successfully with very, very little water indeed because of their clever technological solutions. So there's a lot of scope for uh, international solidarity in these questions, and it is something which obviously Pope Francis repeats again and again in, in a lot of his um, his ministry is about uh, questions of solidarity and the rich world assisting the poor world. And he makes the point in his letter that water in particular is one of those resources which belongs to the whole world and the whole human family. Things like water, air, land. We can't create those things in the way that we can create certain commodities like, you know, motor cars and computers and so on. 
Um, and therefore, these these universal uh, goods, as we would call them, um, must be valued and used with a view to the rights of the whole world, rather than, as he puts it, um, privatized. Uh, he says, every privatization of the natural good of water is unacceptable. All right. Well, Mike, those were all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for your time. I don't know if you have any Thank last you, words. I just think, um, you know, it's just nice to see the Pope uh, once again drawing our attention and, and and giving us these insights into something which I suppose is something we take for granted and we cannot afford to take it for granted anymore. Thanks, you know. It's time to relax a little as Joburg Theatre is proud to present Cirque Infernal direct from Europe on the Mandela stage from September 6th to September 23rd this year. Now Cirque Infernal was created by Danny Ferran, recipient of the prestigious Festival International de Cirque de Monte Carlo and an official Guinness World Record. I am the producer and the performer of the Cirque Infernal and uh, we are very, very excited, me and my troop, to come to Johannesburg and to present our uh, good new production. The show is interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a circus. It's a, mm. We have circus act, but it's not only a circus. It's also a story that we explain with circus performing art and some theaters uh, acting. So uh, there is something for the eyes, something for the mind, and uh, something for the thrills. So, uh, yeah, we are excited to come. All right. As much as we are excited to have you here in South Africa, talk to us about your passion. How did you develop this passion towards doing um, such performances. I mean, I, I understand that you do come from a family that has been uh, performing for many years, but talk to us about your own passion, especially the, the stunts that you do with the motorbikes. Exactly. My family is involved in the traveling show business since uh, maybe 200 years. Um, my family had a traveling theater in France, in the, in the, in the villages. And so I grew up on the fanfares and the circus in France with my brothers. And we started to create a motorcycle stunt show. And it went very well for us, despite the numerous crashes we could have. And then we, we went around the world with that show. We were very popular. Uh, we put a good name on it. And I developed more and more stunts. And... Uh, Four or five years ago, I created the Cirque Infernal and in the idea to make a circus uh, who puts high value in the stunts, but not only stunts, motorcycles, through ring of fires, jumps and stuff like that. I didn't want it to make a, a, an extreme circus. I wanted to make a part of extreme with motorcycle stunts, but also with poetry, with trapeze, contortionist, you know. I want to I wanna do the, um, the ice and fire stuff, the evil and the angel side. It's, it's my opinion. It's, it's my way to do things. 
I tell you, Danny, you have quite a number of stunts that leave people speechless, leave people breathless. How do you go around selecting the right cast for this? I understand that you have um, people coming from different parts of Europe. You also have a married couple that is part of your cast. We have more than one married couple. We have a very faithful circus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a couple from uh, uh, Celeste is from uh, Texas, and uh, the husband is from is French, Quebec, uh, Canadian French. Then we have Rachel. Rachel Atlas is from uh, Scotland, and she is the target of her husband, who is a the nice, uh, nice warrior. You know, um, it, they are very crazy. They are very, very. Uh, weird. Uh, they are a nice couple in life. They are full of tattoos. Uh, they they come from the burlesque scene, and uh, we love them. The people really love them, and they do a very dangerous act. So, and then we have, um, yeah, Jacob and uh, Lucy, also another married couple. Yeah, most of the performers are from Europe, France, and Russia. We have one Russian and uh, America. We are 17 performers on the stage. Wow, wow. All right, so what can people expect uh, once you get to Joburg? I understand it starts from the 6th of September at the Joburg Theatre. I don't want to tell everything. <laughs> yes? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to, I, you know, the show, when we released the show two years ago, this production, this production's name is Mortalis. The point with Mortalis is people expect something, but what they will see is different than what you expect. 80% of the people I'm talking to, they talk to me after the show and they say, it's not what I expected, it's more. Because people, we have the stunts, as I said, we have the stunts, we have the nice horror, we have the motorbikes jumps in the air to the fire, we have the wall of death, it's unique in the world, the big cage of death. We have those stunts, but we have a story and poetry, and that's that point that the people do, don't, do not expect, you know. So uh, the people can expect thrill and a story to understand. Is all one I want to say today. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you, Johannesburg. All right. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Merci beaucoup. And now I have the privilege of giving a lucky winner two tickets to the premiere of Cirque Infernal this coming Saturday, the 8th of September. The show starts at 8 p.m. The first person to answer the following question correctly will have the opportunity to watch and meet the cast of Cirque Infernal on Saturday, 8th September. The question is as follows. Who did Pope Francis canonize on the 4th of September, 2016? I'll repeat that question again. Who did Pope Francis canonize on the 4th of September 2016? You can SMS your answers to 41809. The winner will be announced tomorrow evening on Catholic View. Now remember to SMS your answers to 41809. And I shall be announcing the winner of these two tickets tomorrow evening right here on Catholic View. 
Well, with that said, that brings me up to time. Thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday evening. I'll be back again tomorrow at the same time. Looking forward to seeing those answers for the Cirque Infernal tickets. Looking forward to giving a lucky winner those two tickets. Stand a chance to meet the cast as well. With that said, God bless you and ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Shayla Pirch.